Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hello, hello. Kaylin Pratt, the Midwest Russell People, People Real Talk in the house. And this program is sponsored by People, People, Muffin, Little Morning Drugs, Free Sponsorship Foundation in all of the world. And if you, yes, you are a drug free athlete and are looking for a vehicle to draw your goes like what is a right? Like a Mack truck through ice cream. Chocolate, of course. Snickerdoodles. Oh, no. Oh, no. With Snickerdoodles. Get that Snickerdoodle out there. Anywho, check us out at peoplepmuffle.com. And now let's chit chat with Amanda. Hello, Desiree. Hello. Hello. Happy Thursday, everyone. I hope you've been having a fantastic week so far. I kind of feel like it's... um. It's a Sunday today because we took a couple of days off to help my mom rebuild the retaining wall, and it feels like it's the weekend instead of the end of the week. But I'm good. Because you're nice and tired. I'm good. Because you're nice and tired, it feels like a weekend. Well, great job with yes. helping out your mom. I'm sure that was a blessing, and she had, and she was probably really happy to be around family, especially during these uh, circumstances and situations. Yes. Everything okay over there? It was all good. I you <laughs> oh, sorry. I was I was folding a piece of paper. It, it's really noisy. What kind of paper do you have? Is that aluminum foil paper? <laughs> no, nope, it was just a little sheet of paper. But but I am sitting in a uh, pickup truck on Bluetooth, so that's probably adding to the ambiance. Yes, nothing like Bluetooth in a pickup truck. Boy, howdy. I tell you what. I tell you what. Only in the Midwest can you find such environments and time. Well, I don't want to take too much time from our guest because he happened to be from the East Coast, so he might not be used to all this kind of hit, hit, this start chain and talking. So I'm talking about Ryanis and uh, this fella. He's, uh, I met him up in New York, real nice fella. You know, he's not from these here parts, but uh, I reckon he does some nice stuff. And uh, we haven't had him on the show, but I met and talked with him in person, and we had a real fine time there. A nice little shindig going on right there. And I'm going to get away mm-hmm. from this country, boy, and go to Southern and have a ride. I know, because that's totally and, not Midwest. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Totally not You ain't been to my hip parts here. So I'm just going to leave that rock uh-huh. by. But anywho. Kaylin, it's a pleasure to be here. I can't do all those different accents like you can. I just have this plain old upstate New York flat A sound. That's it. Great to talk to you both uh, now. I get to meet your co-hosts there. Yes. Yes, very nice to meet you. Same here. I I was sorry we didn't have to get up there to to New York. Hopefully uh, one of these here Mm -hmm. years we'll get up there and we'll both be sitting in the seat or both on stage. It won't matter. But, Ralph, uh, Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your backstory and why why natural bodybuilding is such an affection and compassion of yours. Well, I am uh, really – my career has all been in public service. I was many years a member of our state legislature and many years the head of our uh, local county government. Now I'm in the court system, so I've been, uh, I've been in all three branches of government and I've spent 30 years um, working in the public sector. But all along the way, especially this last 10 years, and I'm 66 years old, so this is, uh, you know, I've been around for quite a while now, but... Uh, this last 10 years especially, I've gotten to have more time available to really work out, and I, it has changed my life. I feel so good. I feel more alive. I got rid of the backaches. You know all that. I mean, I don't have to tell yeah. this audience, I'm sure, all the benefits of, of uh, serious weightlifting. So, you know, it, it really became a pleasure. Um, and, and along the way, I got to meet some great athletes powerlifters and bodybuilders and others, um, you know, and I, and I made a great, I, I got to meet, meet some wonderful people. Well, along the way, I started this little Facebook group 
called Upstate New York Muscle because I thought it was just going to be for our community. Well, now, seven years later, we've got over 3,000 members worldwide, and I get to talk to great people on there like you, and I got to meet the fellow that helped us that is our mutual friend who, who helped us put together a bodybuilding show here in Utica that everybody loved. And, um, you know, so, so it's really become a major part of my life now. Um, I'm doing more of powerlifting these days, and I'm trying to get up to a 300-pound bench, which I'm pretty close to now except for the coronavirus, so I haven't been able to work out at the gym with heavy weight. But, you know, so I've been having a lot of fun with this, and it's become a major part of my life. And I really enjoy uh, advancing natural bodybuilding because uh, especially for our younger people, uh, because yeah. I want to see people start off in a healthy, with a, with a sport in a healthy way and make the most of their genetics and their discipline and their willpower. And then after that, you know, I mean, everybody's a human being. You know, everybody's got their own choices to make. But, you know, for that reason alone, I really like to advance the idea of uh, natural bodybuilding. And you were help, very helpful to me when we were uh, starting off to have some events here in upstate New York. And uh, I help to be a sponsor sometimes through our upstate New York muscle site for some of our other shows, too. So it's become mm-hmm. a major part of my life. I love it. Well, well I thank God for you, but I, I can't go any further Thanks. into this show because I, I got to go with that venue. I'm telling you, I was blown away, and, and you guys know that when you saw me. I was just everywhere taking pictures because I, I, I even did a walkthrough video of that. And I have no idea what happened with that, but I, I'm so disappointed. <laughs> and next time I get up there, I'll do a better job. But there was, I mean, it was really more than elating to be watching Marvel's power, I mean, uh, Luke Cage, and seeing that mm-hmm. same venue as part of their backdrop in scenery. And, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. it was still down my spine because, you know, it's, it, it was. I'm a big Marvel fan, so I was more than happy and more than just overjoyed to see, you know, the very venue that we're having a natural bodybuilding show, and that would be the the Leif uh, Eric, Erickson. I almost said Leif Erickson. Lord have mercy, <laughs> Leif <laughs> Anderson, his show. Yeah. And uh, you having so much to do with that, and then see Marvel's show and that whole venue was basically the mm-hmm. backdrop for one of the fight scenes and action scenes. And I can tell you how just happy that made me, where it's such a great venue that even the movies would want a part of that. So, you know, when you're picking venues like that, that's big. And I, I guess since, uh, you know, you guys have the connections up there like you do, it makes it a little mm-hmm. easier. But for a natural bodybuilder, I can tell you, we have – it's rare to have venues that size and, and that worth. I mean, like the Egyptian theater here would be a smaller mm-hmm. version of that, but just the size, the space, and everything that went into making sure that show would work for, you know, being the first show. In, in, well, not the first show, but being one of the bigger shows in that region, that says a lot mm-hmm. about you guys' passion and passion for the sport, but also how far you're willing to go to make sure that the athletes feel more than deserving to be there. So, you know, thanks for that. And and thanks so much for, you know, I know what you do with Tony to basically keep him when you're talking about the youth of the sport. There's a lot that yeah. you do behind the scenes. And I guess being in the in the public service side, that's kind of par for mm-hmm. the course for you. But I don't want to be remiss and not, you know, giving you the respect and the props for doing that. What brought you into being public service, and how does that correlate with basically being there for the people on a more than daily basis? Well, I got into, when I was uh, finishing up with college, I was able to go to a program, um, a joint program at Cornell University in law and public administration. And I have to tell you, I got into it because of the young lady I was dating, and she was in a combined program, Uh-oh. and all of a sudden it sounds like a great idea. <laughs> but <laughs> it was a good idea. And, uh, 
uh, I got to pursue that, which was very, I was very fortunate to be able to get to pursue that. And ever since then, I have worked at the intersection of law and government uh, in terms of trying to help to make and interpret and use policies of government to help people. And that's why I do it. You know, a lot of people get into politics for what they can be, what, you know, I got into it, and, and a lot of them do get into it for what they can do. And that, to me, is a big distinction. I went into politics and into government to see how I could help the community, and I, I, I know many other people who have done that in public service as well. And, uh, you know, so, so when I look at that and how to make a better community, I will, I'll give you an example. Um, we have a little gym here called Body Alive. Now, some of your older... Yeah. Listen, may remember the Body Alive clothing line, which was huge yep. uh, way back about 30 years ago, really, I think. But it's still around, uh, but it's not as big yes, as it, it was. Is. But anyway, the fellow who owned it is from Utica, and he developed it all in Venice Beach. But he yep. then came back to Utica, and he's still doing it here, and he runs a little gym. And this gym little. is in a tough... Not little. Hmm? <laughs> It's not little. It's a nice gym. It's a nice gym. Well, no, it is. It's a nice gym. It is. It's a very nice gym. And it's very, very well equipped. And he he put it into a neighborhood in the middle of the city. And just by being there and bringing athletes there and taking the young people there and getting them involved in the the, uh, workouts and, you know, in the gym life, he has improved the quality of that neighborhood tremendously. And that's why I went there in the first place and, and why I've been a regular member all these years, because not only do I want to support Bob, who owns it, but I also, and, and I wanted to get my workouts, but I also wanted to help support this neighborhood getting revitalized, at least among whatever mm-hmm. I could do. Bob was one of our co-sponsors for the event you were talking about, and he's still a good yeah. friend, and we still work together and do stuff. But, but um, you know, I mean, it, what we can do with with uh, bodybuilding is such a positive influence in the world. Uh, you know, we can take young people who have self-esteem problems, you know, or 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 don't know what the, you know, don't think they're worth anything, don't know what they can do with their lives, and just by teaching them that by hard work and discipline and some smarts about how you work you can build your body and you can see the results. And then, you know, the smart, the smartest ones take that into all of their life. And they say, you know, I can set other goals and work hard and work smart and re- achieve these goals. So, you know, it really is a model for life in many ways for, for people who take it that way. It, it, it's not easy, uh, especially now where people are being more brutal and uh, the social medium has been a blessing and a curse, depending on people have been how people have been using it. And so, you know, there is a lot of self-image issues, good and bad. You know, where some people think way too much of themselves, and and others think way too little. But it, it's something when you have the elders of the city. And you know, I've, I've read about this in the Bible. I, I've grown up with having good elders and good mentors. Mm-hmm that can basically mm-hmm. bring you back to balance. But with the divide we're having mm-hmm. with both parents working uh, incredible amounts of hours to basically make ends meet, it's nice to have that middleman step in to basically bring them back to reality because sometimes it's hard mm-hmm. for uh, children to talk to their parents, you know, for whatever reason, but it's nice to have somebody who still has their best interest being in their ear because I've seen what happens when the streets come calling and it's not right. a good outcome. So, you know, I'm sure you've had to deal with that much more than I have. Oh, yeah. I, well, I don't know about more, but I've seen it. And now my current life, I'm a judge of a criminal court, and I unfortunately have to see that all too often. And what we can see when, when we see people who get the right kind of guidance and somebody like you just said, a mentor that they can – uh, have faith in who who they can really feel cares about them, wants to help them do something good. It can really change somebody's life and and help them get you know get in the right direction. So, you know it's a great thing. But Kaylin, you know one of the things that if you want, I I'd be interested in uh, 
getting into a little is is what what's going to happen with our gyms because you know now they've all been closed for better part of eight weeks and now they're starting to reopen more in some places than others and uh you know there's a lot of questions about where this is going to go and how the gyms are going to survive uh the covid uh, pandemic and I don't know if that's something you guys have already discussed a lot or if it's something you'd care to talk about. But Well, it, it, honestly, you, you walked right into one of the reasons we lo- we loved the thought of you being on the show is because you have uh, been, been in, involved in so much of what community really is that you'd be the best person to ask. So, you know, fill in the blanks and, and let's get this going. Well, I don't know if I'm the best, but I can add my two Oh, yes, anyway. you are. Oh, yes, but thank you, you. <laughs> uh, Thanks. Well, anyway, uh, the problem we're going to have, you know, we, we've got this, this virus that, that has really hit us hard and has changed our, turned our lives upside down in ways that three months ago we never would have imagined. But if we also know we have a pretty good sense that this isn't over. That even if, you know, and obviously a lot of the country we're, we're seeing more and more infections, but we also are hearing about uh, recurrences or, or new versions of the virus. You know, the flu comes around every year, and it's a little different. Well, there's no reason to think that the, this, this uh, COVID uh, won't do the same thing. As a matter of fact, there's some rumors about investigating some possible new mutations already. Uh, one of the most recent ones is what's happening to our young kids who a month ago we weren't hearing about any kids getting sick. Now, in my part of the country, um, in, in downstate here in New York City, they got over 130 or 140 kids that are very sick from COVID and a related illness that seems to be attached to it for kids. And, you know, mm-hmm. so the point is that this virus is unfortunately not going to go away. So we have to, and we know we cannot live the rest of our lives hold up at home and mm-hmm. not, but not even going out, <laughs> you know. So we've yeah. got to come up with a, we, we got to come up with a, a plan or a, a, a kind of a, a culture where we can live but not get, not get sick, okay, or at yes. least, you know, reduce that. So it's, it's a real challenge. But in, in, in the case of the gyms, I think we have to look carefully at how we do this. You know, and I, I'm I, on Upstate New York Muscle, I've heard from people. I asked them just today, uh, how, you know, what are you hearing about gym reopening where you are? Now, I heard from some folks in Florida who were saying that their gyms are opening and that they're just having more cleaning stations. They're having some... Uh, one gym was closing a little earlier at night to do a deep clean. Uh, mm-hmm. They're putting up barriers, you know, at the front desk where the clerk is working with everybody. Um, things like that, you know, they're, they're spacing out their equipment. One gym, they said that every other treadmill was uh, put out, set out of order, just kind of spacing people out a little bit for now. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, these are all, okay, when I think these are all reasonable things that we can do. You know, we can space the equipment a little more. We can put more things around to clean. Um, we can clean the building more often the day or harder do it, a better job of it at night. Those are all fine, okay? Maybe you can even, I don't know, I, I, I'm a little against this, I guess, personally, but uh, within reason, I think, you know, maybe we can limit the capacity a little more of how many people can be in a gym at the same time. I, I I get reluctant to go that far, but maybe that's what we'll have. Now, on the other hand, you know, I'm hearing people saying um, that they got to put masks on in the gym. Well, I don't know about you, Kalen. I don't want to wear a mask in the gym. I can't imagine you was going to work out with a mask on. Um, You know, it's, and and actually, it's dangerous, in my opinion, and from what I've read. Right? You both know. You know, no, I like can that. tell you why. Go ahead. I can tell you why that's a big issue because 
you know, and like I said, we, we have nurses in our area, and I'm surprised that people haven't been more engaging with uh, men of your nature, uh, nurses, doctors, that we personally know, so we can get the full-blown truth instead of a, basically a political response. And one of the things yeah. that has been a, a massive thing for nurses is these masks, the fibers break down after so long, and when you basically heat it up, it breaks down even sooner, and that's getting into the lungs almost like asbestos or a cigarette. So it, it's one of the biggest wow. deterrents for why not using a mask unless mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's some of the reusable ones, but because of the moisture that we would attain would actually attract the, uh, the, the, mm-hmm. the virus where because of the moisture on the skin opening up the pores. So th- there's a lot of things that people were saying initially. They weren't well thought out. And all mm-hmm. we had to do was basically ask the people who would know. And, you know, sadly, some nurses uh, across the country have uh, passed away with microbiome breakdowns, but it was found out too late. And, and when they went and did the, the autopsies is where they, they discovered the, the issue. So, you know, there's a lot that, that's not being put out there, and it, we, we're, we deal more with sensationalized journalism. So that stuff wasn't really, wouldn't really be popular, I guess the best way to say it. And so, you know, we yeah. do need people like you that can engage in truth instead of engaging in likes or basically things of that nature. Well, thank you. Let, let me mention another thing that happens. And, I don't, you know, the great short term, I mean, what you just talked about is news to me and it's scary. Uh, it's certainly cause for people to be concerned, but it sounds like that's something that deals with like people who use the mask for long periods of time, or for yes. or you know wear it for a long period of time, or both, you know, uh, for day, long hours and maybe long weeks. But there's another problem, and that is if you are wearing a mask, from what I understand. Now I'm no scientist, and in this field, scientists need to carry the weight. But I, I know enough about this to at least raise the question, okay? And the question I have is about um, the masks tend to cut down our oxygen intake and increase our carbon yes. dioxide intake from our exhale. Yeah, true. Okay. Yes. And that has led people to have, I believe it's called hypercapnia, uh, yes. which is over, where the carbon dioxide uh, starts to replace the oxygen in the bloodstream. Yep. And that has led people to dizziness, fatigue, uh, lactic acid buildup, heart rate and blood pressure like buildup, even, even going unconscious. So, yes. you know, and, and let's face it, guys and folks like you two, because I know you're both in great shape, and when I try mm-hmm. to do it, oh, thank you. Uh, if we're breathing heavy, working hard, that's more likely to happen. So in a gym, yes. and that's, I'm just talking common sense. We're breathing harder. We're going to trap more of that carbon dioxide in the mask, and we're going to have more of a problem. So we don't want to have people walking in there wearing masks and passing out. No, but you are exactly right, and that that is not what we want. And I think, you know, in just using rational thought, we have to get back to the point of why are you – were we wearing masks in the first place? What was the whole point of it? And, and it basically was to slow down the spread of COVID-19, although we all know now that the molecules of the virus are smaller than anything that a mask can stop. So, you know, I, I think people still have a false sense of safety that by wearing a mask, it's going to solve all the problems with COVID. And maybe, and maybe not. You know, that scenario, but it's not going to. So if you are sick, you think you're symptomatic, you're wheezing, coughing, sneezing, and and right now we're in the middle of allergy season, and you definitely don't want to minimize your oxygen intake when you have histamines flaring up and you're already having a hard time breathing um, and Mm -hmm. trying to work out on top of it. But just to keep an understanding of what the purpose of the mask was, 
and then follow that. And if you are sick to begin with or think you could be getting sick, even though exercise does help boost your immune and can create an immune response for helping you to beat that bug, maybe the gym's not the best place for you to get the exercise at that time. But just some of the solutions that are coming out, I'm not so sure that they are as well thought through as they could be. I'm not so sure that some of them aren't marketing gimmicks just to help the public feel safer when Mm -hmm. they have no real proof that it's actually going to keep the public safer. And they may just be doing it because, you know what, the CDC said it, so the governor says it, so I have to do it even though I don't agree with it. So they make it available. And some gyms are an option. Like in my gyms, if you choose to wear it, you can wear it. They, they make these little, and while they're cute and everything, they're flimsy. I don't know what they're really protecting anyone from except for protecting them from fresh air. Um, but Dirt. they're available, so that choice is there. It's it's all about yeah. the choice, and I guess if, if that's what it comes down to, if that's the biggest benefit, then that's still a good thing to have. Um, it's It's choice. We have a question here from Jacob. He's saying, What's a sustainable way to start opening businesses that will satisfy both the political side, business side, and the people? And that, Jacob, is the million-dollar question because I don't know that anybody has that answer. I don't know. Ralph, what do you think? Well, you know, let's remember that this is all new territory to us, to the world. Yes, it is. Yep. You know, this is the, the, the last time. Uh, you know, the world faced something like this that I'm aware of was read about was the Spanish flu, okay? And that's early 1900. So yep. I understand that we're going to try a lot of things and then find maybe they're not the best way to do it. That's that's understandable. As far as the masks are concerned, I, I think that, um, just for a minute, um, I think that they do help in some circumstances where we're in crowded circumstances uh, in, in countries in, in the uh, Asian perimeter, uh, they have, uh, you know, in Japan and Korea, they have worn masks a lot, like when they're in the subways or, you know, public transportation or stuff, because they're jammed together and you're keeping people from getting droplets when you cough or sneeze or even breathe. Okay, fine. But there's a limit on this stuff. Now, let's talk about the question Jacob raised, um, and that is, you know, what is acceptable? Well, I think people understand having more uh, requirements to have cleaning stations in a gym, okay? And, I mean, I, I regularly go to two gyms, the one I told you about and another one across town just to, for variety. One of them has cleaning stations about every four machines, you know, just towels you can pull out and wipe your equipment, and they encourage everybody to wipe down their equipment. And that's fine. Um, the other one doesn't. But I don't think people would have a big problem with, increasing cleaning requirements, increasing requirements to uh, deep clean or do more of a cleaning job at night in the gyms or maybe twice a day. Uh, Those things are okay. And I do think that there's going to be room here for uh, distancing. And I'm not talking about um, telling everybody they got to stay six feet away from everybody else because that's impractical. But spacing out the gym equipment is not impractical. And, you know, maybe if your gym isn't big enough, you maybe just put 10 treadmills instead of 15 and you space them out a little more. You know, these are all practical kinds of things you can do. A little more space, a little more fresh air, a little more cleaning. Those are all good. But telling people to wear masks, telling people to wear gloves, uh, (laughs) I mean, you know, there's a limit, in my opinion. I don't know if Jacob's happy with that. No, it's a good answer, but I'm going to piggyback on that because it's an issue for me because this is one of the things that, you know, I've noticed that in in, in civics, you know, it takes civility. We have to be civil in asking questions, not choking people out or yelling and screaming because it's a lot harder to hear those kind of questions if you're being personally attacked. So I, I just want to get that out of the way. But then the other one is basically they're small business owners, on all facets, I'm talking about hair salons, I'm talking about restaurants, I'm talking about all these things, where they were addressing this stuff years ago, 
You know, this yeah. is not uncommon to be cleaning everything. And yet no one reached mm-hmm. out and asked them before they made the, the decision on dropping everything because, you know, like the financial parts of it where they had promised to basically help the small business didn't come out. Mm-hmm. It, it never came out. And so basically the small business owner was the mm-hmm. first one to take the massive hit when it came to that. So that's the factor of what Jacob is talking about. The next thing with the mm-hmm. cleaning, like I said, the small business owners were doing those extra things because that's what was bringing the, the, the members to the, the smaller uh, gyms instead of the big box stores. So, you know, it was yep. the same thing with the malls and everything else. There were little nuances that the small business owners were already having in place five, six, ten years ago. And yet, for some reason, they were never asked, hey, what's a good method or what's a good policy or what's a good way to get this started? Because the small business owner is also part of the people in that community. You know, I can think about Body Alive, and there's basically hand wipes and sprays everywhere. And you have, it's part of cleaning. You, you know, your workout isn't done at, at Body Alive or at, at Fit Body U unless you cleaned your machine or, 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 or piece mm-hmm. of uh, equipment. So, you know, these things were commonplace, and yet it seems mm-hmm. like the hardest thing, I mean, one of the biggest insults I've seen is when they said, you know, the gym was full of germs, and I was just shocked because I was thinking, well, who came to fit out of you and made that decision because they would be, a, a, you know, a straight-out liar. But, you know, in a, in a big box gym, I can see where that might be seen as the way. So, Ralph, when you have that kind of common knowledge, you know, and and if somebody had just asked Bob, you know, hey, what's a good method to start going about correcting this stuff? It would have been much easier to get a straight answer from him than someone who never frequented the gym or just as a CEO of the building and never walking inside. Why didn't they ever ask the people, the, the small business owner type mentality, who were involved and had a big stake in the game? You're right. I mean, you know, one of the things I thought was interesting is, uh, you know, Governor Cuomo, and I'm sure he's not the only one that's doing this, but our governor in New York has put together, I think it's 45 people from all different walks of life around the state into a, you know, to to uh, figure out reopening. Um, but I think even that, which is good, but he also created regional boards to look at it at a regional level. So my little county, which has about 80,000 people in it, or 100,000 people in it, um, is part of a group of six counties, and our six counties are looking at how they want to reopen, um, you know, what restrictions they want to put on and when they want to reopen what and things like that. And that's sensible because you, the closer you get to the people who live with this every day, Yes. You know, the the more often you're there gonna you go. get some really good responses that no I don't care what degrees or what you know, whatever uh people have or what power they may authority they may have, that doesn't mean they know how to get this done. <clears throat> so yes, we should be talking to and not only talking to uh small businesses or you know, but also giving them the flexibility to figure out their Amen. way to be safe. You know, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. You can have standards that they have to meet and yes. let them figure out how to meet them. You know, um, and that that's easy to say in a general term. It's harder to figure out exactly what that would mean, but there are ways to figure that out. We do it all the time. So I think that that's, uh, I think you're absolutely right, Caleb. We need to. We need to listen to people who've been in the businesses about how to make their businesses work. Yeah, and I think I think that's exactly what uh, listener Sherry is was thinking along with her question because she's asking, why are politicians making the decisions for people when they are unaware of most of the problems that are well known and documented by the people who do? And I think that's coming right down to the point of you can have some consistent guidelines, but each business is unique. So how can you meet, you know, the minimum standard thresholds and comply, but still be able to function, you know, in a uh, financially fiscal or fiscally financial way? 
because that's yeah. that's what it comes down to. Because if if we get back to like our gym scenario, and I've seen it. I mean, our gym is only using every other treadmill, which is in the summer is fine, but when you get to the winter months. That's no longer going to be fine, and that's going to be one of the biggest complaints that you have as a former gym owner. It was a nightmare mm-hmm. when you don't have enough cardio or you don't have enough equipment, and then people walk out your door because you're too busy. And as an owner trying to make sure that you're bringing in enough dollars to keep everything open and your equipment serviced and your team paid who is going to need now to do all the extra cleaning, you got to take all of those things into consideration. And so mm-hmm. that will be, I mean, it's just going to be an interesting thing to watch as this all progresses. Yeah, it sure is. And, you know, you reminded me that many times in my career, I've seen where regulations, over-regulation by the government has tended to squeeze out small businesses, and the only ones that can survive are the big ones that can meet their regulations uh, and can often have enough political juice to influence their regulations. So Mm -hmm. uh, you don't want to let that happen on this broad of a scope. And I'm not against coming up, you know, and, and plus we don't know yet really what works. No, you know, we just talked about masks. You know, I mean, uh, that's one little thing. We don't know. You know, at first we heard stay six feet apart from each other. Well, now we know that, you know, the, the droplets that they were worried about there often go like 15 feet. Um, you know, so <laughs> we're learning this as we go. And if yes. you give people the chance to try to meet some goals and give them some flexibility about it, you also can uh, get some innovations that you're not going to see if you just depend on a central agency to do it. I think yep. we need to divert this policy by the scientists who can advise us on what they're finding as what works to help you know, this problem, and then policies that allow people to try to enact, put their, that science to work in their business. You know, gives them and I think I agree because, I mean, and, and business owners are people too. I mean, they want to live. <laughs> they don't want to be sick. So I, I give the vast majority of them benefit of the doubt that they will do what is in the best interest of their customers mm-hmm. and themselves. So, I mean, I think mm-hmm. that can happen, but you're right, Ralph. They have to have that flexibility and room to move to be able to maneuver and do it for their for their particular needs um, in a manner that allows them to actually stay in business because the, the flip side of that too is we all know that small business employs a great number of people. Um, collectively, they can, they can stand toe-to-toe with the large businesses almost as far as the number of people that are employed in small business. So that's part yeah. of it too. I mean, we got to have safe environments mm-hmm. so people can continue to work or the mm-hmm. unemployment will continue to skyrocket like it is right now. So it all is mm-hmm. just so intrinsically intertwined, but we're still trying to work it out a little bit at a time. Uh, next question or comment here from Linda, and I don't know that we have the answer to this one, but good question, Linda. Uh, most of these small businesses, small business owners, are putting most of their money back into their businesses. How can they possibly stay open if they are being delayed again and again from opening? And, um, you know, unfortunately, Linda, a lot of them are not. Or at least I know in Iowa they've already predicted that at least one in three restaurants, as far as restaurants, will not reopen following this shutdown. Um, Does that mean more will pop up and take their place? good chance that they may it's it's hard to know but there will be several small businesses that that just don't make it and then that's just a sad reality of what we've had to go through here um i open the floor for any other thoughts on that well uh, i'll well, take it if uh one the one two. go ahead okay uh one of the things that it, and i I made a, a post about this earlier because it's something I've been thinking about for for a while, and it just I try to come up with a, a way to speak without insulting because I think in a time of frustration, my dad used to always say, you know, think twice, speak once. 
and it's, <laughs> it's better to to be more cautious and have compassion and concern for the people you don't know and how they think than to just say mm-hmm. everyone thinks like me and so this should be acceptable to everyone because that's never a true statement. And one of the things that I understand is that it's so much going on for the corporate, but it's not much that's basically filtering down to the small business owner. And how they could be overlooked, it almost reminds me of when we were talking about basically the super rich, uh, the mega rich, and then you had basically middle class, but no one was talking about the poor and impoverished. And so they mm-hmm. fell through what they called the cracks. And it seems like the small business owner is getting that side of what we are going through now. And it needs to be addressed before these businesses die. And uh, I equated it to the corporations of people, and I said it seems like they forgot the small business owners were people too. And so we, instead of basically waiting to do something after someone has passed away being the small business, we should be doing something to put them on life support or at least a ventilator, you know, some can, something that can stabilize this crash. <laughs> Go ahead, Rob. Well, I, I think that we, um, you know, we have to remember that there have been some very unfortunate outcomes so far, like you're talking about with businesses that have really struggled or, or failed. But we're trying yeah. to stop a pandemic that was flooding mm-hmm. hospitals, overcrowding them, and people were dying in yes. unheard of rates. And this was spreading at an unheard of rate. And yes, I've heard was. people contradict me, and I just don't believe them. I, I really think this is all the truth. That That's part is the him. truth. So, you know, I, I guess what I'm saying is it's an unfortunate fact of life that trying to deal with this pandemic has caused some extra pain But so far. But now... We know that, as I said at the beginning, this is an ongoing challenge to us that we're going to have this new kind of virus in our environment. And we can't live like this forever. We have to reopen, and, and everybody's trying to head that way. So, you know, I do, I do think that there was a really good attempt to get money out with that payroll protection uh, loan program. Um, and I know around my area, there were a ton of small businesses that ran for that money. And small banks were the superstars of getting that money because they were working personally with their businesses. And, I mean, I just saw it in my community. It was the little community banks that were really doing well, getting that money to small, client, small business customers to help keep their payroll while they were, um, you know, struggling. And that was basically free money. And they're doing it again now. Sure, there were there were abuses, and those were highlighted and tried to correct them the next time. But I give the government, and this was all the parties, I don't care about that, uh, in trying that, which is unheard of. Um, really, there's never been this kind of economic stimulus effort made. And I think it really had, I think it did help a lot of people. Um, I also know uh, people who, we're working at relatively low-paying jobs who got laid off. And, you know, it's usually right, the people at the bottom, if you will, that get laid off first. And the, uh, the extra money that was put on to the unemployment checks, which has taken way too long to get through, especially in New York, but starting to happen now. Um, I mean, some of these people are now getting an economic shot in the arm that they've never had. So, I mean, I see some high when you talk about people who, you know, among our poorest, one of the things, though, I think this is showing that we're going to have to address is housing. The the worst cases of spread and of death rates has been in the areas that are the most condensed, and in a lot of these uh, projects or. Uh, older neighborhoods uh, where people that don't have a lot of money, you know, are living are very, very tightly and this has led to more of a spread there than in suburbs or even in country living. Um, 
And I think we need to really take a very serious look at our housing policies and what can we do to ease the density a little bit in our uh, cities. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point and one we haven't really talked about a lot just yet. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Real quick, I'm going to share this comment from Larry that I want to circle back around to to that housing thought. Larry is saying it seems that most of the time people are being put around ground zero sick people, people meaning resources, um, but they have forgotten to put the doctors and scientists around ground zero businesses. And, um, well, you know, doctors and scientists can can be around ground zero sick people, but I don't know that <laughs> they have the wherewithal to be the uh, ground zero business people that were really needed uh, for the small business folks. And I do know that the SBA, they did step up. Um, I do know that the small banks have done a great deal. I've seen that in my community. Um, and there are some businesses that have found relief, but I know that there are a lot of businesses that still haven't. And I think that's sure. just something that, you know, region by region, I have no explanation why some areas have moved really swiftly and have been able to allocate monies to businesses that needed through the Paycheck Protection Program and other grants and why in other areas they have not been able to. And it could just be sheer numbers. I don't know, just, just so many people that it ran out long before it could get to all the places that it really needed to to get to. And I think we still have a lot to see as mm -hmm. far as what are repercussions going to be for the dollars that have been flooded in the system now because mm -hmm. uh, I forget what movie that is, but they say the paycheck always comes due and uh, <laughs> or the, the bill always comes due. And we haven't seen Don't the bill on this yet. <laughs> we no. sure haven't. No. But, you know, no, housing – and density of population, I mean, that's, that's huge. I mean, and that's why I think, you know, in New York in particular, just because you have so many people living so close together and not just lower income. I mean, let's take a look at all the high-rise apartment buildings and floor after floor after floor of people mm -hmm. of all mm -hmm. stages of demographics and life that are just breathing recirculated air being piped through floor after floor after floor of apartments. I mean, that's And they that's can't huge. open their windows. Right. They can't yeah. even open their windows. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I think so. How, things, how are you so, supposed to escape that? Getting back to Larry's question there, you know, there are a lot of the scientists that we've been seeing all are, are the ones trying to save lives right now. See, that's what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But there are a ton of scientists in environmental science who study this kind of stuff and who work on this kind of stuff. And I think they're just getting started. My, my yeah. son-in-law works for a company that disinfects, has for years gone in and disinfected hospital uh, suites after um, like a, a, a SARS or, or Ebola or MRSA or one of those things comes, you know. So they, they've been mm -hmm. in this business for years. And it just happened that you know, my son-in-law, who's got a background in, in uh, medical research, uh, ended up working with them. And, of course, they're as busy as they can be. And I think there are others like them, um, you know, and other scientists uh, who, who are there. So one of the things that now, and I'm just, now this is just playing top of the head, could the government hire more of these people and make them available to consult for free or low cost with small businesses to help them yes. understand the air circulation in their building, uh, the filters and what filters are good or not, uh, what difference it makes, what kind of cleaners to use, you know, things like that. Uh, I don't know. It might make a lot of sense to do that. Yeah. And, of course, I mean, it a makes. lot of local governments have county health departments, and they should be able to uh, adapt for this, too. Not to go in and give people fines and citations for what they didn't do, but to go in and help them figure out how to, you know, stay clean, how to try to lower infection issues. Um, you know, I think that would make a lot of sense. It, it, it makes a lot of sense if 
we engage with the people who've been closest to it? I, I think that's what uh, he was asking about the ground zero businesses. And and what Ralph is talking about is they already have people that are taking those steps, but because it's not popular, popular sensationalized television or journalism, it's not being reported right now because, you know, everyone's wondering if we basically um, made the corner. And so they don't want to mm-hmm. jump the gun on the next sensational story. Yeah. And it, it's sad. It's really sad that this has become the state of journalism. And I don't, I, I don't even know why I call it journalism anymore. I should just say, you know, media, because it, it, it's becoming embarrassing with the information that's out there, but no one's doing that hard reporting that would get that information to the masses. And that's mm-hmm. a, a, a sad state. Of, of and sad state in time, basically. But the information is there. I mean, Des, you and I have been covering uh, topics that people have called, you know, basically conspiracy theories because it's so foreign to their thinking or ideology and no one else is talking about it, so it must be something wrong with what we're saying. Even though, you know, as time goes by, more and more people are talking about it, it, it has to filter, which is sad. It has to filter. And because of that filtration, and I'm talking about information to the brain, there's a delay, and there's a pause, and there's a hesitation. And because of that, it stalls in certain places. So sometimes the the person with the best information is the one with the least way of getting it out there. And and I'm, I'm afraid that this is what's happening in this nation right now, because we were just talking with, with Mark South, and, and he's reporting about all, how many people are interacting and sharing the information that needs to be shared instead of this bullcockery. And, and I'm trying to think of a nice term for saying it, but it's just <laughs> so much crafting. Hashtag bullcockery. And we need to get the right people to the right information in the right time. So when it's shared, mm-hmm. it's correct information with no chance mm-hmm. of being misinterpreted or misrepresented for what it really is. True. You know, it's one of the great benefits a show like yours has, you know, and the internet provides now to the world mm-hmm. and, and getting closed somewhat too by big business. Um, you know, they're taking more, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed on the Internet. This is way far afield from where we were starting, but on the Internet, sometimes you try to read an article and you can't get through it because there's so many ads in it. Um, yeah. You know, but anyway. But, but anyway, um, the environmental scientists that I was talking about, you know, again, this, this whole virus thing is only a couple months old, at least the crisis yeah. level of it. We can argue about when we knew or should have known, but that's not the point. Uh, it's only really hit us for a couple of months. And so you haven't seen a lot anyway of, of environmental scientists being involved yet because we're just trying to triage, just trying to deal with the, the crisis. Now that people are starting to focus on reopening, um, this is when the environmental scientists can really step forward and good media or good uh, Internet or whatever services can help to get that information out. Not to say you know, make sure you're social distance, but to say, you know, take a look at your air filtration system in your building or your air circulation in your building. What could you do to, or what can the building owner or the business tenant or whoever do to improve that situation or, or whatever, you know, I'm just picking an example. So yeah, now we need to get into other science, uh, not just um, vaccine science. Okay. And, yeah. uh, and I think you're going to see that. Well, I truly, I truly hope so, because it's going to take both of them working together in order to yeah. get the kind of solution that I think is going to be um, agreeable to the most people. Because vaccines alone aren't going to aren't going to stop this. I mean, we've seen how the flu works. Mm-hmm. Even though I understand this is not a flu, it's a virus. The basic, the basic biology is the same. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have to have the other aspects that go along with it. And then here's where I put in the shameless plug for everyone to work on their personal health. 
your immune systems, yeah. build it up, Absolutely. eat right, right, exercise wherever you can, and, you know, take your own personal health seriously. That's how you arm your body to do better in instances like this. It's, it's just going to give you a leg up. You're right. How many times have we heard of people who've been in accidents but they, and the doctors told them, well, you know, you're just in such good shape. That's why you didn't get hurt worse. Right? I've heard it. Yeah. Many of my friends heard it. who may have gotten an accident and they survived because they were, they had muscle and they had strength. And, you know, hey. um, I think it's for this, that the healthier you are, period, the, the more resistant you're going to be and the, the better your odds of beating this or you're not even getting it. Yep. I agree. Well, time will tell whether or not we're on the right track or not. I guess, but that's uh, that's where my uh, that's where my brain pan sits. And then the other thing of this too, Ralph, that we've been talking about then is, and we don't really have enough time to dive into this. We should have probably brought this up earlier, but you know, how is natural bodybuilding going to proceed, and especially in a state like New York, where? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, was much harder hit by the coronavirus than than many other states in the U.S. Um, it would be interesting to see how that in and of itself moves forward because I've just seen the latest recommendations from the CDC on how schools should go about reopening, and, and basically I'm flabbergasted because even even in Iowa, where we are not nearly as densely populated as a place like New York, our schools are busting at the seams, and there's no way that they can accommodate the need for the children who need an education or who are relying on the public school system and follow the CDC recommendations. So, again, like you're saying, this is all a learning process, but uh, right now I'm a little... <laughs> I'm a little concerned about the curve we're having to overcome um, in, yeah. in some instances. But, I mean, we'll, well, we'll, we'll wait and see and have faith in it all. Well, that's why I said before, you know, we, get, we rely on the scientists to tell us the science and what we should be trying to achieve, okay, like these recommendations. Yep. But then we yep. have to get down to, and this is where politics in a good sense can play a part getting people involved together to figure out how to make it work for, uh, you know, its policies and as opportunities for businesses or schools or whatever. And gyms, I think you, we already talked about, we want to encourage people to, to be active. We want to encourage gyms to be able to have reasonable and the government to impose only reasonable restrictions so that they can operate. As far as bodybuilding like shows, you know, we may find that we need to find a better way to get attention to those on the media, on the internet, or the airwaves rather than in theaters. I don't know. I mean, this this is wild thinking right now, okay? But it may be that we'll be having bodybuilding shows that are mostly broadcast, and, and the it, money, whoever can work. I don't know. Um, well, it it could be, and it's it's not that mm-hmm. wild because some promoters are experimenting with it and. Who knows? Maybe there is a way that it can be pay-per-view. I don't know. I mean, again, we will we will watch to see how things work and just how the different communities progress with opening, mm-hmm. I guess, life back up. But well, I'm, I'm uh, with all that. Oh, go ahead. No, I was I was getting ready because we're we're at the end of our rope here. But let's get your last thoughts in on what you want to share, and then we'll give our our virtual hugs and kisses and say our sweet farewells. All right. Well, no, I just was going to say that I'm involved in a, a board of directors of a, of the local theater where Kaylin was talking about. We had our show, and we're looking yeah. at ways to entertainment on our stage that is broadcast out as part of our solution. So that's all. Well, nope, and that's good. So creative thinking is happening. It is happening. Now Now we just have to be able to embrace it and, and just try to move forward as best we can, I think, as a people. So, Ralph, thank you very much for just sharing your perspective, um, you know, and you bring a good perspective with your with your government background, and I think you said you're a judge, so there's probably a lot of this that you see on the back end that we don't even see, so it's good. Um 
it's good to have those thoughts and a very positive outlook on top of that. So we appreciate you taking the time to be with us here today. It was a real pleasure to be with you both. Thank you very much and with your listeners too. Thanks, well, thank you. KP, last thoughts on tonight? Uh, I, I'm I'm pretty sure that Snickerdoodle has to help with COVID. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. So on behalf of Ralph, the state of New York, natural bodybuilders everywhere, Snickerdoodle lovers, the boyfriend, P4P, muscle, Kaylin, and myself, your body is a temple, so let's build it.